Hey. hey, can you hear me? Oh, yeah. Loud and clear. Hey. How about you, man? Good. Yeah, I can hear you perfectly fine. Good stuff. All right, so it's recording right now. <clears throat> so it, this is my first time using Spotify to record a podcast episode. I used to do it on, um, what was it? Um, man, I'm, I'm drawing a blank here. Uh, I used to record on, what was it? Riverside. But uh, we just had to, you know, cut costs where we could. And you know, that was one of the things that went. So um, I'm using this for free, man. It's for free, man. Why not? I see. That's crazy. I mean, Spotify is pretty recognized. You said cut, cut costs, but you mentioned like a super recognized brand. I go to all my podcasts on Spotify. So yeah, because um, I, I listen to I listen to everything on on Apple usually Apple Podcasts just because I'm 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 very uh, what's it called? I'm not very technologically whatever like i haven't figured out how to like get spotify to play on my apple watch or whatever so when i go for a run or whatever or a ruck i typically just um if i'm gonna listen to a podcast i do it on the apple watch but um anyway though i i love spotify as a platform because every like for for podcasters if you are a podcaster everything's for free like they give you everything and they they're like have at it you know make a podcast and they're, they're encouraging as many people to do it if you have something a story to tell if you have something to share they want to hear it and they want the world to hear it. so I, I think this is a this is a great way just for anybody especially for the body of christ to get the message the gospel of the kingdom to the whole world to as many people as possible before jesus returns because uh you know he's giving us time to do that man absolutely yes the way we are connected with platforms and the way that we can share and you know give messages the most important messages like you just said uh the the way that we're all connected and they're able to share information with one another now is just a, a blessing and the yep. fact that they're they're enabling us and willing to make it free and allowing people to tell their story and be creative it's just you know that's that's a testament to the the free country we live in <laughs> yep yep while it's still free right yeah while it's still free right yep amen well um hey man just uh why don't you just uh i'm really bad at introducing people because oh I okay <laughs> so all, all i'm gonna say is have at it let me just give a short introduction and you can fill in all the gaps that i left out so this is my brother donald uh he's he's uh we met on linkedin and he's a fellow uh marine corps veteran sergeant um and uh he he's a uh, an entrepreneur uh he's uh, he's uh he's got a, a wonderful family and um and he's uh he's been a, a good brother a good friend of mine for a while online we haven't met in person yet but you know, that's the plan is to get together and go go on a few rucks and have some barbecues or whatever and uh, spend time with the families uh but for now we're just uh you know Oh yeah, and, and he's also uh, he's also got his uh, social media up. He's a he's a professional, or or I'm not sure professional, but he's a bodybuilder. He's a he's a like a like a like a, a legit bodybuilder, and he posts his videos on TikTok. And this guy is this guy's legit. This guy is is the real deal. And uh, and he's I'm just I'm I'm blessed to call my brother, and he's been nothing but a blessing to me and my family. <laughs> wow, I appreciate that, Jonathan. That's a that's a quite the the introduction. Um, no problem, man. I guess uh, you, you you filled in quite a bit there. You said I was waiting to see like what you left left out, but um, yeah, you're, you're correct. I'm I'm not professional yet. I am currently chasing. That's one of my my uh my goals that I have right now is I want to get my IFBB Pro card. But nice. uh, you know, I've been I've been bodybuilding. With with that being said, I've been living an active lifestyle for about mm -hmm. 13 years here now, and I've been competitively bodybuilding aka watching what i eat being on a diet and right. training you know five to six times a week i've been doing that for about four or five years now so when people see on the social media that's that's you know that's just the the hard work required but yeah we're, we're getting there I'm, i want to get my my professional my ifbb pro card and then once i get that i think that'll kind of be the the culmination of my fitness i do have a I, I went to school for finance and real estate after I got out of the Marine Corps here. I, uh, I originally am from North Dakota. And when I got out of the Marine Corps, I was looking and I was like, you know, North Dakota, I can be a farmer, I can be a diesel mechanic, or I can go back to like a, a big property or a bunch of land that my family owns. And I 
none of those sounded interesting and i didn't have a family with a bunch of you know like land and property back home at that point so um there was really nothing for me in north dakota so one of my brothers uh jose we had been in the marine corps together and deployed and traveled the world we were on different ships but you know we had we had been in uh the fleet when we were active duty in the marine corps together we had we had we had you know spent our entire time in the marine corps together and essentially he got out about a year before me and he had lived in New Jersey with his family and when i was looking at the process of getting out i was like yeah man i i really don't want to be in anymore uh i don't want to go back to north dakota so he gave me uh a a room basically in in the basement of his his family's uh home there and i paid rent in that room and i i started over brand new you know an hour away from the finance capital of the world new york city and that's where i got my my degree but with that being said i i pursued finance and real estate and now uh commercial real estate investing and then the the financial services agency that i'm building and scaling is what has allowed me to to leave the traditional 9 to 5 that plagues most 20 to 30 year olds so yep that's that's wow. me in a nutshell <laughs> man that's awesome what would you say uh what would you say was most impactful in that decision to uh to leave the 9 to 5 and uh and just uh go full on entrepreneur completely betting on yourself and not believing what anyone else has to say uh i think we're like humans were were from a young age conditioned and sought to to seek out information and knowledge from everyone else and talk and read and everything that's foreign to you that you're consuming is probably right and what you're thinking is wrong but you know when you go on the journey journey of entrepreneurship and uh betting on yourself it's it's kind of just up to to your work and God's plan and however yeah. much work you want to put in if it's in alignment with God's plan it's going to start to unfold as you please but um you have to continuously just bet on yourself and kind of um if you know leave it up to faith and God you know <laughs> that's yeah, that's man. the scary part i think that's the scary part of the the journey for a lot of people. Yeah. For sure the uncertainty and um <clears throat> not knowing if it's going to succeed tomorrow or fall apart. Um and that that that's a constant reminder for me like just to to be focused on today like to, uh, like to to not not to worry about the next day but to just uh focus on the on the issues today and leave the leave everything to God just like you said, you know, just it's you know leave it up to his plan and um for me is it's just a matter of of not worrying and that's my I'm a professional warrior not warrior <laughs> but warrior and exactly uh, God is God is training me to uh to uh live in that rest you know just every day like the birds and the flowers you know he takes care of them and the flowers don't even have a brain to think for themselves and they're they're doing just fine <laughs> Exactly. I view it this way, you know, it's like I look at it and it's like, you know, God, this this human vessel you've given me, I've conditioned it and I've gotten it to a point where it can wake up at 4 a.m. Mm-hmm. and it goes to sleep at 12 in the morning mm-hmm. every day and it operates at 100%, you know, it's it's healthy. It's it, there's there's nothing wrong with my with my body to where I can't push myself. So mm-hmm. at that point it's just you have to leave it up to God, you know. <laughs> if you are giving it everything you have and there's nothing else you can do uh from a the flesh perspective anymore it just must be left up to him <laughs> yeah yeah like uh I like you, you know who Keith Green is you ever heard of him Keith Green hmm. Keith Green man he he he's a Can't classic Can't stand by name sorry No you're good uh classic 80s um uh worship leader slash missionary and uh you know he 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 would just literally preach the gospel from the piano and uh what one one of his songs just is fitting for what we're talking about just uh you know do your best and I forget the lyric but it's just like like do your best and he'll take care of the rest or something like that I I'm really bad with <laughs> the lyrics but that that's that's the idea you know you right. you, you give your 100% you don't give God your crumbs you give God your best and he will take care of the rest Exactly This stuff so how about How about um, you know, sharing just, you know, from let's start let's start from like your, you know, like childhood and, you know, growing up, you know, how 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 everything shaped you and uh and then, you know, little by little up to where you're at now and then what your plans are for the future and, 
you know, what, what, what God is, uh, what God is giving you, like, like what kind of like, like marching orders, or some kind of like burden or assignment or something that, that, that you feel that God is giving you, or at least, um, you know, just going from, 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 you know, from where you can remember it from childhood up to now. And then, and then where you think you're headed, you know, as far as that's concerned. Wow. Feel, feel free to share. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Two hours. Okay. Okay. All right. Absolutely. So, um, yeah, I mean, starting, starting from, from childhood and just going from there, I guess, uh, yeah. you know, I, uh, I grew up, um, the youngest of three, uh, siblings. I have an older brother and a sister. We were all raised by uh, a single mother. Um, unfortunately, I, I did not grow up with very much. My mother worked uh, one job for each of her children and then also went to school. Um, while we were growing up, she had to drop out of, she had my sister when she was in high school. Mm -hmm. So she had to drop out of high school and get her GED. Mm -hmm. And then, like I said, worked those three jobs while raising three kids by herself so growing up there was really nothing uh whenever it was time for for like uh clothes and stuff uh we were we were blessed my mom worked like I said very very hard she had one job for kids so she could keep a roof over our heads so yep. at the beginning of the school year you know we would we would get a new pair of shoes one new pair of shoes uh uh maybe two two pairs of shirts and a two pairs of jeans and those had to last us for the year but um you know that was uh that was just like the level you know that was that was the highlight of my year was like shopping for new school clothes to give you an idea of like where i come from um uh yeah so just not not really a lot um i i continued to go through school i was very very quiet and observant but at the same time inside mad i was so mad all the time uh, no matter no matter what I did, I remember as a kid, I was just like someone would say something or look at me, and inside I felt like I wanted to cry or just explode. And um, uh, when I was a kid, at one point I did kind of act out on those violent tendencies. Never, never where I hurt anyone or anything like that, but I did get mad for a while where I didn't understand how to control it. But eventually, I found sports, and uh, sports saved me. Uh, wrestling and football specifically when i found wrestling and football i got to start getting all of that energy and emotion that i had inside i found a way that i could release it and that was through physical activity so that was a that was a fundamental shift in my in my 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 life where i could finally figure out a way to uh, release the emotions that i had been experiencing inside my body and they were no longer there but yeah <laughs> Um, and then, so continued to play sports, got pretty good at sports all throughout uh, middle school and high school. And then uh, end of high school came around, uh, well, I shouldn't say, I'm, I'm fast forwarding too quickly here. Around five or six, 9-11 happened and I was being taken home in a school bus. Uh, I was in, I believe, first grade at the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was in first grade and I was being taken home in a school bus because that day, everyone remembers what happened that day. Yep. Uh, I was being taken home in a school bus and I got home and my mom had just gotten home from one of her jobs. And I remember looking at her in the face and saying like, mom, when I'm big and strong, like I'm gonna, I'm gonna help, I'm gonna protect us. So this stuff like this doesn't happen. Yeah. And uh, so ever since five or six, I will say like, you know, watching the, the towers get um, ran into when I was a young child. And then also my, hearing stories of my uncle who was a marine for eight years he was a, a comms so he did data and communications and then he worked in nuclear subs uh so i heard like a few of his stories growing up and between those two events in my life i just automatically knew from a very young age that when i turned 18 that was my calling that i had to serve my country and protect and defend mm -hmm. everyone that were like the people that were in those towers that had just been uh, you know, killed and like those defenseless people, they they needed people to to go over where where those people were and defend them. So that's that's how I understood it as a very young child, and that's what I did. As soon as I graduated, I uh, at the age of 17, I enlisted into the United States Marine Corps with my mother's consent. The recruiter was at our our table. Uh, he had to get my mother to sign the paperwork because I wasn't even old enough. I wasn't an 18 year old adult yet. I was still in high school when I signed my paperwork to leave. 
And then after we graduated high school, I left and went into the United States Marine Corps. Uh, living in North Dakota, I went to the West Coast and I was stationed in MCRD San Diego for my boot camp and all my initial training for my MOS, uh, sorry, not my MOS school, for MCT. Mm-hmm. I did all that stuff there. And then after uh, boot camp in MCT on the West Coast, I got stationed in uh, Camp Johnson in uh, North Carolina. It's about 20, 30 minutes, not even 20, about 20, 15 minutes from Camp Lejeune there. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I did my MOS training there. And then I got stationed. I graduated top of my logistics school uh, for, for 0481, Lanny Support Specialist. So my initial job in the Marine Corps was, let's say there was a helicopter flying in the air and it drops a large cable and it's uh, magnetized with like, I think it's like a lot of bullets. Basically, if those bullets touch you from that hook that's hanging down from the helicopter, it's going to shock you and kill you, right? Wow. So the, the job of the Red Patchers is we have this, this, uh, this metal rod that's grounded and stuck into the earth and we have to grab this hook that's dangling from the helicopter in the air and then after we grab that hook and ground it, another few of the red patchers will grab a load, you know, whether we have a container or a vehicle that's been broken and needs to be taken out of that area, we connect it to the helicopter and then the helicopter takes off with that, uh, with that asset. And that's called the HST helicopter support team. That's what the red patchers are famous for. So uh, that was what I trained and learned how to do that logistics portion uh, running beaches you know so running ship to shore movements moving all of the assets from the beach onto the 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 naval vessels or running airports and getting all of our assets loaded onto uh aircraft i I just learned basically how to load everything and do it very efficiently and very quickly and then i graduated top of my logistics school went to the fleet and then as soon as i went to the fleet because i was top of logistics school I got attached to one of the fastest deployed infantry units on the East Coast, which mm-hmm. is uh, Victor 26. Nice. And from Victor 26, I deployed with them and we conducted Mediterranean Mew, traveled all over the world, and I got to touch every continent with the exception of Antarctica <laughs> while in that unit. Huh. Yep. <laughs> How long were deployments? Uh, it was eight months. The, no, mm-hmm. sorry. The Mew was nine months that mm-hmm. we were on. Nice. Yep. Now, um, <clears throat> can you can you go uh, go back to like like you know some highlights in training and anything that stood out <laughs> to you? Any 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 uh any suck fest that you want to talk about? <laughs> yeah, I guess I can I can go with a like rewind back or kind of keep catching up to like where we're at now in life. Which one would you like? We we do um, have two hours. So, yeah, why don't we start? Why don't we start at boot camp, man? Okay, okay, yeah. So, so boot camp, like I said, I found uh, I was an angry, mad, you know, emotional kid right. in in high school and uh, middle school, and uh, I found sports. And then I was I was skinny half of the year because of wrestling, and then I was fat half the year because of football because I played mm-hmm. a defensive position. So gotcha. my coaches half the year were like, I want you 230 pounds. And then oh, my man. coaches the other half the year were like, I want you 172 pounds. And I was just like, all right, let's figure it out, you know. Uh, but um, with that being said, when I left for for boot camp, I had been working uh, in the Pooley program with my recruiters for about a year. So before you even leave for, um, yep. you know, your, your boot camp and stuff, a lot of people don't know about it. They have the Pooley program. You go and yep. you work every Saturday with the recruiters and all the other what they call poolies. So people waiting to leave for boot camp and their initial training mm-hmm. programs, they, uh, you know, they go and they work out together. So I had done that for a year and I had gotten all of, I think, the bare minimums required for boot camp, which was mm-hmm. very sad. I think I had gotten, uh, I, I could do seven, seven pull-ups. I could run a mile and a half in 25 minutes. Mm-hmm. And um, I could do 60 crunches in, what was it? I think two minutes. Mm-hmm. I, I, truthfully, the bare minimum, I just barely made the, the minimum standards for the Marine Corps. Mm-hmm. And then uh, as soon as I went to boot camp, everything changed. <laughs> uh, Undoubtedly. Yeah, yeah. I had... Uh, I had had the, 
the discipline and the idea of camaraderie and structure from teams in high school and middle school, but I had never experienced um, a bond and a brotherhood and a realization that like, oh my gosh, if I make a mistake, this mistake is going to affect my team directly around me. And like, they're all going to be physically punished because of the mistake I made. Yep. And um, I, I will say like, even though it's three months of your life, being in situations where you making a mistake is physically harming other people you start to really be conscientious about the actions and moves you're making so um i i I developed very quickly a new sense of awareness about myself in boot camp that i believe a lot of people do um and then also not only awareness of myself but how i can contribute and provide to you know the the greater good or the team effort that's happening Mm -hmm. And uh, that that happened to me very very quickly at boot camp, and then uh, I just kept, you know, throughout my entire Marine Corps career, since that was one of the first things I learned, I just kept that same philosophy of it's always about my brothers and it's never about me. You know, I can I can understand, check in, and recognize where I'm at, understand where I'm at, but then just worry about my brothers. You know, yeah. and uh, that's that kept me strong in a lot of places where guys were breaking down or quitting or giving up in boot camp because things got too physically or mentally um you know tasking they those guys i would watch them just break and fall apart but i would start worrying about my brothers in those situations and i wouldn't break Hmm. so yeah that helped me being my brother's keeper is when i learned that and that was boot camp (laughs) that's awesome so is that around that time uh, is that when you uh, when you started to uh, become more open to uh, the gospel, to the call of God on your life, to uh, to you know to is is that is that around that time or am I am I fast forwarding? Let me just let you share. It. Go ahead. Yeah, sorry, sorry, no I left problem, out so man. much. It's like uh, asking to start from childhood. It's like wow, can I, yeah. can I tell the story of 28 years? There's so many different like uh, parts of the story, but um, so I guess like my my faith and my religion, I was originally raised my my mother i should say she was raised catholic by uh my my grandmother and um you know just the the classic um catholic religion where it's like we're all gonna go to church on sunday right pray and really that's all we have to do and that's that's kind of just like church is just a um uh a monumental thing everyone does on sunday and it's like a social event but there's really that's kind of it um so my mom, when she was raising us, like I said, uh, very poor, didn't really have a lot. From the age of about zero to, sorry, eight, there was really no um, religion or, you know, like faith or anything in our life. And then at the age of eight, my mother found a Baptist church and their Baptist, the, they taught out of the King James Version, uh, the KJV. Yeah. They taught out of the KJV. and. Um, they had a very, very different faith and kind of belief. Like, uh, I would say my, my, my initial faith and like where I learned a lot about God was through, uh, you know, Baptist King James version from eight to about 13. I was involved with that congregation quite a bit. Uh, they had a, a built out, uh, quite a few of the guys from the congregation. They, they had, uh, uh, camping trips. So they would take all the, the, the young guys and girls and we would go, uh, on like summer camping trips and we would uh we would we would worship together a lot and it was more than just church on Sunday so that was That's when awesome. I actually I guess I, I would say I like studied the Bible read the Bible understood the lessons and kind of developed my my first relationship with uh with with God uh at the age of 13 I did get saved awesome. with, with that church yep and then um from after about 14 we we ended up they they changed the pastor at that church and um this new pastor was a little different than the old uh pastor that had been there and his whole message basically every sunday was to remind us that we're all sinners we're all burning we're all gonna die and go to hell and there was never yeah it was pretty depressing it was just literally like every sunday you'd show up for fire and damnation and hellfire and that's all we're worthy of you're all sinners so uh you know like you can only show up as a congregation so many sundays in a row just to be yelled at and told you're going to hell 
Exactly. And, What's uh, the point? So yeah, we 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 kind of just got burnt out, and uh, from 13 to 14, we stopped going to that church, and then uh, from like I said, the age of 17 to now 28, I haven't been in one location for more than three or four years of my life, mm-hmm. to the point where I've really found a church. But you know, I have. I've taken my faith and I, I, uh, I like to read the Bible. I like to continue to pray and I, I talk to God every day, but as nice. for having like a, a, a congregation or a church at this time, I, I don't have that, but I do still have my walk with him and my faith is strong and we are together. And I, you know, I, I pray with my fiance, uh, I guess a little bit fast forward to right now, I live with my fiance and I have mm-hmm. her, her mother and her two sisters that live in our house with us as well. And, you know, like we all, we pray together. We, we talk about God. We have faith. Um, you know, it's just we don't have a, a current congregation that we're going to, a current church that we're going to. Well, um, just an encouragement, man. <laughs> this is this is where, where we were at the, in the Philippines. You know, me, my wife, and my daughter, we were, we were it was just the three of us. And, and of, of course, um, our, um, our um, mom, I mean, uh, you know, uh, my, my mother-in-law and my father-in-law um, in love, father and mother and father in love, and um, they. Uh, I like that you said mother they, and father in love. Yeah, that I was gonna say that. <laughs> I just I didn't want it to sound awkward, but that's the way I say it. So uh, who cares? Right. No, I <laughs> um, like it. But I'm uh, start calling I, my I, mother in love that. <laughs> yeah, mother and father in love, and uh, they they um I got that I got that I borrowed that terminology from a friend from uh, from synagogue. And um, he says it that way, so um, I was like, "Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna steal that." <laughs> um, but no, um, yeah, we—it was just us, like just a few of us, and and uh, and and, and uh, my niece and uh, sister-in-law, and um, just just us, just there at the house, and we would, we'd be having, um, we'd be, we, you know, where two or three are gathered in Jesus' name, there He is in our midst, um, and that's what it was and and uh we were we were having church we we are the church in the body of christ we are the ecclesia the kehila we're the church hey brother i gotta answer the doorbell somebody's ringing and i don't know who this is okay hola todo bien okay pues mucho pues muchas gracias por todo lo que hiciste De nada. Está bien. Pues yo te bendiga, ¿ok? Un placer. So um, they just uh, they just fixed our uh, they just fixed our water our water softener. They we we were having some issues, so they they fixed it, and now it's good to go. So oh, nice. Answer the answer the answer the door. And uh, yeah, I think we're good to go. Very nice. But um, yeah, no, um, bro, we're right now we are having, we're we're we are having a church meeting. We're, we are the church, and we're meeting. So what do you call that? Church plus meeting equals church meeting. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> uh, math and Marines, man. Like seriously, like we are, we are the body of Christ. We we are we are we are the ecclesia, the kehila, the, you know, we're, we're part of that. So right now, as we're as we're as we speak. Um, Christ in our midst, bro. This is this is serious matters here. Like this is this is reverent, man. Reverent, bro. Cause like the living God of the universe, bro. The God who made all the cosmos and everything that's out there, all the heavens and the earth, man. The universes, whatever, the multiverse, whatever you want to call it, and this little planet. He's here. He's 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 right there with you, and he's he's here with me right now. And that's amazing, bro. It, it, it's mind-boggling. It's it's and it's, it's terrifying in a good way, you know. It's like and it's comforting and it's all at once, man. Like, you know, we we we, are, we get to uh, commune with God and one another, man. And that's what it's all about, you know. It's it's doing life together. It's not about programs and and uh, you know uh, like concerts on stage and you know, performance. No, dude. It's it's about it's it's about this life doing life one you know uh the one another's man you know love one another exactly you know and that's what it's all about and that's 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 the thing that stands out to me from the marine corps is 
even though you know in, in an imperfect way because we're just you know broken you know sinful human beings but um that's that's what it is man love one another you know the brotherhood like like the the laying down of your life you know greater love has no one than this than he who lays out, down his life for his friends and the lord jesus embodied that yahweh yeshua embodied that perfectly when he was here on earth what did he do he didn't serve himself he served others he led by serving he led by loving he led by laying his life down on that cross and being tortured and nobody could take his life from him he laid it down he he bled every last drop and then when he said he was ready that he gave his life like it's funny because uh I, i've been i you know i've been listening to different you know motivational speakers and like the saying from goggins uh i don't stop when i'm i don't stop when i'm tired i stop when i'm done right you don't stop when you're tired you stop when you're done jesus our king our god didn't stop when he was tired he stopped and he was done amen on that cross and he <laughs> laid it all down and then he rose from the dead overcame death the author of life overcame death so that's what it's all about man so i want to encourage you 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 right now you know in your home you know um you know you you the people that you have there in your home you meet together you know you you, you in, in a holy consecrated set apart reverent way you realize god is in your midst you live do life together with god is it with god in your midst bro and that's ecclesia that's kehila that's, that's church you know i love that in that case my house is a church yep. <laughs> that's right beautiful beautiful and and that's how it was in the in the first century because of the persecution and, and especially nowadays um in 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 the around the world where, where there's no you know it's hard to have a, a church building and uh, there's so many rules and regulations or it's just impossible because of terrorism and all that stuff so they have to do it on the ground they have to they have to meet in homes you know mm. yeah and that's how they did it in the first century century one wow <laughs> But yeah, man, uh, I, I just went, on, went off on a tangent. I mean, it's, uh, you know, uh, but um, wh- why don't you uh, pick it up from where you left off? So you, you, you're, you're, you're uh, up to, to this day, you know, you, you've, uh, you, you've been, you've been in the word and just, just, you know, God's been, God's been um, at work in your life and you, you've cultivated your relationship with God and, uh, and you're, you have a family and everything. You're about to get married and, and all, and everything. And um, now, so uh, if we could rewind, so you you were in the fleet and you you were you went off on this uh you 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 um you got your orders and you went on this uh on this mew, so um could you could you go into like whatever you, like highlights that stuck out to you from that? Yeah, sure. So we hit the fleet and then we went on the mew. So the mew, uh, everything in the military. I know. Jonathan here, I'm talking with a fellow Marine, so it's like, you know, I'm going to say all the acronyms that he knows, but for anyone that doesn't, that might be listening, uh, AMU stands for Marine Expeditionary Unit, and yep. in the military, we use acronyms for everything, but uh, yep. <laughs> yeah, so I uh, I left on a deployment, and like I said, I had uh, graduated top of my logistics school, so I was doing logistics for an infantry unit, and um, with, with that being said, it wasn't like a standard... Um, a standard kind of like a job position that that my type of uh, MOS would go into. So, for example, normally when we would go to the fleet, we would just go to like a logistics support battalion and we would stay in the United States, you know, just kind of running logistics operations for our entire careers, you know. So the fact that I was deploying and traveling the world with a, an infantry unit was, was pretty different. As soon as I hit to the I hit the fleet, I, I showed up to my unit and I had these these fancy little red patches that I had earned for my job and they essentially took out a knife and they're like well you're 04xx and a grunt now and they made me cut off the patches and I had to basically you know kind of just do logistics and do that whole planning and stuff with the the first sergeant and company guns while everyone else was sleeping but during the day I, I, I had to be an infantry guy so um that that was that was pretty fun uh I guess like uh I got to I got to truthfully uh, be be a rifleman uh, while I was uh, in in active duty Marine Corps, which is what I signed up for to begin with. Yeah. So we uh, we like I said, we we got ready for the Mew, and I was doing logistics. So it was three ships. It was the USS Oak Hill, USS Kearsarge, and the USS Arlington. 
myself and a group of uh, six or seven other individuals basically were in charge of moving um, and loading all of our assets for about 1,300 Marines. All of our containers, vehicles, equipment, and assets, we had to get that from the beach onto these three Navy ships utilizing ports and what they call LCACs. So they're these large um, hovercraft devices that float on top of the water and they drop off the back of the naval ship and then they they ride onto the beach and then when they ride onto the beach they 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 shore there and then as soon as they shore we can drive up things i'm talking like as big as tanks we drive up onto these things and then the tank is lifted up on this hovercraft and it flies about four or five miles off the off the ocean into the the naval vessel so you know every time we have to mobilize and move from anywhere we start uh, about a year out preparing for this deployment doing these workups and loading practicing loading from camp lejeune in the united states we would practice loading the ships unloading the ships with personnel with our gear with our equipment and we just kept doing that over and over and over for about a year and then finally after we got it perfectly and we figured out our true capability of how fast how many supplies and personnel we could load and have ready to leave United States and go basically patrol the waters of the world and be the global police force of the world. Mm-hmm. We, we were able to do that as fast as possible. Then we were finally time. It was time to leave for our, our MU, our deployment. And uh, yeah, so that's exactly what we did. We left. Uh, one of the ships went to Africa. Another ship went to Europe and then another ship went to the Middle East. And then we rotated throughout those three uh, continents and different countries throughout those continents, helping, uh, you know, certain governments accomplish certain things that the United States is supporting and uh, providing aid and sometimes uh, help with like, um, if we were to go to a third world country where the, the population needed some supplies or equipment, we would supply that and then leave. And then also uh, detachment of the, the company I was specifically attached to when we deployed Echo Company uh, and a small detachment of weapons. They, when we were in Kuwait, got detached and went in and established what they call Iron Base Bell. So essentially they built a fire position and uh, three 777 howitzers in the middle. So three 777 howitzers just rained hellfire down on ISIS um, for about three months of that deployment. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah after that like i said nine months of us just going around the world and doing all of these um amazing things and being exposed to all these different cultures and people and ways of life and you know different hardships that people experience all around the world i uh i came home and i realized that i was you know uh not even old enough to drink yet i was a sergeant in the united states marine corps i was in charge of 27 guys Mm-hmm. millions of dollars of government assets and then mm-hmm. I looked at my bank account and I was like wow I'm still making less than minimum wage if I factor in this salary to hour hourly and I was like oh wow I, I got a lot of responsibility and stress to be feeling like this and not be making more than minimum wage so um as much as I loved my 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 experience in the Marine Corps as much as I loved the brotherhood the camaraderie I had a realization that even if I stuck it out for another 20 years in this gun club, in this organization, I would be getting out, you know, like a broken shell of a man. And I still would maybe have enough money to retire, but not comfortably. And I wouldn't have like living this fast pace of a life. I wouldn't have time to make a family. And if I had a family, I wouldn't have time to be there for the family. Mm -hmm. So I made the decision right then and there that I had to to make a move. And then I realized my, my problem in that stage of my life was money. So that's when I went to school to study finance and business and learn about money because from, I guess, I think if anyone's been listening at this point, they kind of understand my upbringing. I never really was around a lot of money. It started from nothing and then went into the military and was in charge of a lot of things, but, and a lot of assets and money, but I was never actually in charge of or, or knew anyone that had a lot of money, you know, that whole journey. Mm-hmm. And then that's, so that's why I went to school to study finance and business. And yeah. Um, when I was studying finance and business in school, like I said, I came here and I lived with my, my brother from the Marines for about six months until I got my own apartment here in, uh, in New Jersey, which is about, we're about 40 minutes out of New York City. So 
just imagine Midwest, North Dakota, you know, closest neighbor is a mile away. Everyone's used to, whenever you see another person, you wave and you say hello. And now I get out of the Marines and I've had this crazy experience and I go back to the United States, but the part of the United States I go to does not feel like home at all. So um, I guess I'll just say the the transition phase for me when I got out of the, the Marine Corps was was pretty hard being in a, a crazy populated uh, environment with all these people and not knowing anyone. But um, what saved me is I found bodybuilding. Yeah. And when I found bodybuilding, uh, the one thing that I had lost from the core that I desperately needed in my life was structure and routine. There was no longer anything in my life requiring me to wake up at 4 a.m. in the morning and mm-hmm. just get on my face and push like, you know, 20 or 30 times till I couldn't breathe and then run two mm-hmm. miles. There was mm-hmm. nothing that forced me to do that anymore. And as much as I thought I hated it when I was in the Marine Corps, I realized that was how I made sense of life, discipline through pain. Mm-hmm. I needed to suffer. I needed to wake up. I needed to have a reason to be in pain. And I had like no longer anything pushing or or motivating me or driving me outside of myself. And um, I I learned about bodybuilding and meditation. And then also through this time of my life when I was transitioning from out of the Marine Corps and like learning how to adapt back into civilian life through meditation, I also started talking to God once again. And also mm-hmm. what I believe is like the higher version of myself my higher consciousness i refer to him as a savage but Mm -hmm. essentially he is what i said the the culmination of my final version of flesh that gives his all and then leaves the rest up to our lord god you know Mm -hmm. and um so i through through meditation and calming down my body and bodybuilding and following very strict diets i was able to um kind of weather that that storm of the first couple, th- two, three years of getting out of the Marine Corps and transitioning back in the civilian world. And then uh, during that time, I was going to school uh, for business and then also working part-time uh, as a real estate. I was working for a real estate agent, finding her properties. So essentially what I would do is uh, she would she would give me like specific things like a buy box you know she would say I want uh, this many rooms I want it to look like this outside I want at least this big of a yard and it needs to look a little bit more run down than all the other properties around it so me having a car and not really knowing much about New Jersey I knew the best way to understand this area was to just drive around anyway and right. um, that's that's essentially what I was blessed to be able to do with real estate is I just drove around and learned everything about this terrain and this area and this part of America I'd never lived in. And, um, you know, I started finding properties for her. And then every time I would find her a property, she would give me what's called a finder's fee. So she would buy the property from the owner because it was a distressed property. Most of the time the owner wanted to retire and move somewhere else, or there was a problem going on with the property where the real estate agent could purchase the property from the person owning the property for a pretty low uh, price. And then as soon as she would put in the work and fix up the property, she would get it up to market standard uh, to be sold on the MLS. And yeah. then because she's a licensed real estate agent, she would put it on the MLS and she would start, uh, she would, you know, she would get market price for the property. And then that profit of anywhere from sometimes like 20, 30 K to $180,000, she would just put that in her pocket, you know? And then I would get my little 5000 or $10,000 uh, for finding the property for her and beginning the whole process. Hmm. So I started learning that about real estate while I was studying business and finance. And I did that all throughout uh, college. And then my last two years of college, I actually became the vice president of the real estate society at my school, uh, Rutgers, hmm. the business school in Newark. And with that position being the student vice president of the society, I was the face of, uh, we had to coordinate networking events, for example, there would be a bunch of corporations and firms and large entities looking for interns and students graduating and coming right out of college to work at their firms, whether they're going into the real estate industry or the financial industry. And basically I would be the first student all of these recruiters from these firms would see 
and I would be the one that they would have to talk to to coordinate meetings and showing up to networking events with all the other students that were in the real estate society. So with that being said, it was once again like putting myself in a position of power where all of these recruiters were seeing me before any student and it worked exactly how I wanted. Uh, I got my pick of whatever investment firm I wanted to go to and eventually I found one that was uh, uh, started actually, it was a startup by uh, Rutgers alumni real estate, uh, like the real estate society, the, the past presidents had started uh, an investment firm of their own. And uh, I had worked with those gentlemen as an intern and then basically uh, went up through their ranks. And then, um, you know, I was I was doing well. I was on the, the track for being partner, uh, partner track and, you know, like stay in permanent position at the firm. But right. eventually um, <laughs> the federal interest rate just kept going up and up and up in the tri-state area and the real estate market went crazy and uh you know in the in the tri-state area and um the the firm got to a position where they're like hey you know you're the you're the dispositions manager at this firm here you're you're w2 you're getting paid salary and you get paid commission every time we we uh we do something with a property like it's you or like the guys underneath you or keeping the lights on at the firm so you know in a situation like that i understood that they were in a hard place and I, I, you know, just kind of peacefully said, you guys let everyone below me keep their job, have a good day. And was, you know, like we parted ways peacefully. And um, I kept like a, a okay, like relationship with all of them. There's no bad blood between any of them. And then also there was about five or 10 investors that while I was working at that, that firm, you know, selling properties and stuff that I had connected with. <laughs> And then those five or 10 investors, it was a blessing that I had connected with them so well because, um, you know, at this point I'm uh, freshly graduated out of college. I have a fiance, I have a townhome, I have a dog. I have mm. three other women that are my, you know, future family members living with me in this home, all mm -hmm. relying on me. And like, I am out of a job, fresh out of college and kind of spinning my wheels like, oh my gosh, what am I doing? And um, so I worked with those investors that I met at the firm and for like those first two or three months while I was looking for a job and stuff, I was finding properties for them the same way that I had found for the, the real estate agent at the beginning of my, my real estate you know, experience. Mm -hmm. I was finding properties for them and getting five or 10,000 just to like keep the lights on and support my, myself and my family. And then uh, I had met in, another person uh ireland uh basically and ireland introduced me to a group called wfg and pinnacle elite and basically uh wfg and pinnacle elite are the platforms that i've utilized to build and scale my my financial agency after getting mm -hmm. a few more licenses and now you know between um building and scaling my my financial agency i've gotten myself to a point where i've completely left the nine to five and uh with that building and scaling of the agency, as soon as I get it to seven figures, I will be going back into the real estate world with the commercial investment hat back on and building properties, not only here in the United States, but in Colombia, where my fiance is from. Wow. Essentially the properties that we're gonna be building, we're gonna be targeting either commercial developments in popular colleges throughout the United States so basically veterans that are getting out of the United States Marine Corps or immigrants coming from other countries that want to get their education and want to go to school and better their lives, but simply don't do it because they don't have a place to live. They're going to have apartments that are specifically designed for them to live in because wow. that is ever since we've known each other, like, you know, just building and getting a home, getting our house in a place that neither of us are from. Um, all of these hardships that we've faced is like, we know our way to give back is to build homes for our community because we've both been searching for homes everywhere we've went our whole life. Mm. So now our way of giving back after we build and scale our business and our family is completely taken care of on our end is to you know build apartments all throughout the United States and Colombia where she's from. Wow, wow that's awesome, man. That that says a lot bro <laughs> like, you know to to your um 
to you know where, where God has you and uh, where God has you and your fiance and uh, you know you know that you know like it's 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 it's, it's not cliche it, it almost sounds cliche but it's the truth bro it's the it's it's what uh what we what's said a lot but think about the depth of it it's better to give than to receive you know when we receive man it, it's a blessing but when we're giving bro you know like the 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 deep joy of of being a blessing to others you know man you, you you're not going to regret it at all man it, it, it's it, it's just and it's like breathing you know we breathe in oxygen we breathe out you know so we breathe Absolutely out whatever so we inhale we exhale so um <laughs> it, it's it's just part of life man we we breathe in god's blessing we we exhale blessings back to him and to those uh the least of these and I couldn't agree. I could not agree more with that. But I truthfully believe another part of that is being able to give at the level that you believe you can give at. You know, and um, you know, like some people, they they get it twisted where they just think like I'm gonna give all of me all the time to everyone, and then I'll be blessed. But that's truthfully not how it works. Sometimes you have to be a little selfish, and you have to, you know, like um build and scale your your own business first and then after right. you have your own business you're in a position of power where you have a large amount of money that you're controlling you have the ability to acquire assets you have the ability to actually give back to everyone the way that you truly believe you're capable of giving to everyone yeah but without being a little selfish at first and trusting that you're you know you're doing what's best for for you and what what God is telling you to do if you don't go through that period of life I don't believe you'll ever be able to truly give in the way that he intended for me it doesn't sound I it doesn't sound so I know you're using, I know you're using the word selfish but to me it sounds more strategic than anything strategic yeah okay yeah it's a like you know because like the 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 you know the sons of the the the, the sons and daughters of this world are, are more Jesus said they're more um, they're more shrewd, they're more um, uh, wise and, and, and whatnot in, 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 uh, in uh, dealing with, you know, the, the things of this world more than the king, uh, the sons of light, uh, the, the sons and daughters of, of the kingdom of light. So it's like, you know, like in, in broken down in, in layman's terms, Barney style, it's like the the people who 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 are not walking with Jesus, who don't they don't they either don't know him or don't want to know him or don't care. It, oftentimes they're they they're they're a lot they're they're a lot more astute and ahead of the power curve when it comes to to utilizing the resources of this world for the the things they want to do, right? But right. we, as the body of Christ, tend to not strategize like that when it comes to the kingdom and that's sad you know but what you're doing what you're telling me is strategy you know like you you're, you're not just you're not just like giving everything all at once and I, and I don't have anything else to give and I'm done no like you you're you're planning it out you're like this is the plan it's like step by step and once I get here I'm gonna be able to the, these resources are gonna be available for me to give it almost sounds like like you're applying what you learned in the Marine Corps to the kingdom you know in, in a way absolutely yeah because i mean i've just i've been in that position also like throughout my life where it's just you know you're you're giving from essentially what feels like an empty cup and it's like you have nothing left to give because there's no strategy involved but if you just take a step back and you kind of build up your resources and essentially build up your empire before focusing on giving back as soon as you focus in on giving back what you can give back has been magnified you know 10 20 fold yeah, absolutely yeah and you know there's there's uh there's wisdom in strategizing because uh you know there's longevity in it you know but um i i also see it in stages too uh god entrusts us with little and when we're faithful with that little then he gives us more when we're faithful with that more he gives us more and so on and so forth and um so it's like uh, in this life, you know, just like practically and in context, he entrusts us with these finite amount of years, right? This time, because what the, the currency that we have is time, 
so he entrusts us with whatever 80 90 100 if that years on this planet and what we do with that how we invest it how we multiply how we force multiply what we have for the kingdom is gonna is gonna be our grade our our it's going to it's going to be our what's the word i'm looking for feel free to help me out the, the, the idea is we what we invest here is going to be um what is going to be uh how we're how we're rewarded and 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 how we're entrusted with uh with responsibility in the heavenly kingdom so uh when, when christ returns to this earth he restores everything you know after after judgment he purifies everything gets rid of all the chaos all the sin everybody who's in rebellion against him he cleanses this cosmos of, of of all chaos purifies it and restores it and he sets up his eternal kingdom of the age forever and ever and ever uh, on this planet he's also he's going to give us responsibilities here's what i'm trying to say based on how we lived here on earth so if we were faithful to him that's that's entrance in the into the kingdom and depending on how faith the depending on on if we were faithful uh 30 fold 60 fold 100 fold if we if we if we multiply if we took what he gave us and we we multiplied it 30 fold 60 fold 100 fold it's just going to reflect on on that on, on the responsibility and on the privileges and on the rewards that we have in the heavenly kingdom now we can't even imagine it. it's mind-bogglingly um out of our out of our reach to even think or imagine how that's going to look like you know we can't imagine uh geometric time you know what's geometric time going to look like you know what what is you know i i feel weak i feel like my 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 strength is being drained out of my body right now just trying to think of these things bro right it's, it's i can't it's, see that dimension either <laughs> no and, yeah. and, you know and um but anyway uh, the point is yeah going back to what you're doing like right now you are you're strategizing and that's what it, that's what that's how that's how it works man you 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 find out how to how to how to maximize what you have in this life uh not in your own power and here's a here's the key this is not in our own strength it's not in our it's not in the arm of the flesh but it's by his supernatural enabling by the holy spirit by god himself living in us the one who sealed us living in us empowering us to do that 20 mile the 50 mile broad jump of his will um because you know we there's so many people who've done amazing things in this life by the common grace of god but they have not acknowledged god now imagine if someone but just just anyone some ordinary person and it's, it's happened over and over and over again for millennia to this day and it will continue until christ returns ordinary people who say yes to God doing extraordinary things more than someone who is just, you know, in their own strength on the horizontal level. Um, and just like, you know, the guy entering, uh, uh, you know, he's doing front of the line, he's doing tip of the spear, the very tip of the spear type of uh, a mission uh, in, 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 in Christian missions, um, you know, uh, in, in the Lord's, in the Lord's army. And he's going into and this is actually based on a true story he's, he's going into a, a place in africa back then back in i forget exactly when i actually learned this when i was going to uh um when i was going to trinity college of florida when we were taking uh, uh the missions class the uh, world missions and religions and this professor who was he, his his class was my favorite his his course was my favorite because every time we would go there for the majority of the class we would just watch testimony after testimony of ordinary people just like you just like me who god chose to use in, in miraculous ways and you know you have this story this guy who goes into a village and um and he sees this witch doctor this uh not witch doctor this uh this shaman levitating yeah, same thing whatever same difference um shaman levitating someone off the ground with their magic and he's so he's so angry and so um just you know beside himself angry that this guy is taking advantage of this person like that so he goes up to um the uh the, the shaman and he and he tries to pull this this person this lady back to the ground 
and when he does so before he can even he touches her and the moment he touches her he gets thrown back like shock like electrical shock thrown back um however many meters unconscious and when he wakes up he realizes and god humbled him that um this is not gonna this is not gonna be in my strength I'm fighting spiritual enemies here, and they they can't be fought in the str- in in our strength. They can't be fought with human <laughs> weapons. So he goes and he he gets on he gets on his knees and prays for weeks on end or something like that, like some 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 extended duration of time. And God reveals to him that um, what what happened with I think it was Elijah, and uh, he was just an ordinary guy. And uh, when he prayed, God shut up the heavens. He shut up the sky for an extended period of time, I think three years or something, and it w- or something like that, and it wouldn't rain, and there was a drought. And then when, when he prayed again, it rained, right? So he goes back and, to that shaman after an extended period of prayer, and he sees him levitating, I think even the same person, this, I guess this person is just really likes to be levitated, but um, he goes up to the shaman and, uh, and he sees this person being like floating around in the air through magic, and this time, he uh, he literally uh, threw. Oh, shoot! Sorry, you cut out there, brother. I can't hear you at all right now. The shaman's just bewildered. You just uh, you your your power is stronger than mine. Whatever, whatever, and um, the villagers are astounded and. Um, and the villagers are like, well, if your God is stronger, we will follow your God if he can make it rain. Because in our area, it hasn't rained for uh, however many years. And there's a drought and we're all suffering because of the drought. So he um, he says, uh, all right. And he gives them that uh, scripture from, uh, you know, uh, this, this uh, from uh, what happened with Elijah, where he prayed and it rained or he prayed. And there was a he was just an ordinary guy. He prayed. And 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 it, there was a drought, and then he prayed, and then it rained, and uh, he said, you know, God, God will do that for you guys. So he prayed, and literally, after years of not raining, after this drought, right, he literally prays, and on the spot, it literally monsoons, like type of rain, for however many days, like three days straight or something, and um, and they, the whole place, the whole village, in, in mass repents and follows Jesus, believes in the gospel. They start following Jesus immediately and everybody repents. And, um, and, it, and, it, and it sparked a disciple-making movement and the whole region became Christian. Eventually the whole nation became a Christian nation just from that one guy. So um, what I'm encouraging you is that what you're doing is not, I don't think it's selfish, I think it's strategy. And I think it's planning. And I think if you submit your plans to the Lord, you will succeed. That's what the Bible says, not what I think. It's that's what the Bible says. Submit your plans to the Lord, you will succeed. So just, yeah, your, your plan on on uh, on saving up for that and and and, and planning and, and and waiting for the for the conditions and the funds to be right, so you guys can establish that um, that housing for 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 the for the immigrants and for for um, fellow Marines, bro. God's, if, if, if God put that in your heart, he's going to help you do it, man. And, and, and when you do it his way, it'll multiply beyond your expectation. Anyway, another tangent. I do that a lot. Absolutely. So. <laughs> no, no, I appreciate it. Not a tangent. I'm, I'm listening. <laughs> Bro, you still there? That. Yes, I'm here. Can you hear me? Hello. Hey, Jonathan, can you hey, hear Donald? me? Donald? Can you hear me? Uh-oh. You lost him. Jonathan, can you hear me? I can hear you, man. Can you hear me? Hello? Hello, hello. Jonathan, can you hear me? It's 
crazy, man, because I can hear you and everything. Hey, Donald, you still there, brother? Yep, yep, I can hear you. Can you hear me? I just sent you a message. I'm not sure if you can hear me on your end. Oh, really? So... Donald's saying that he can hear me and everything, and he tried responding, but I can't hear him. That's interesting. Okay. I'm well, gonna leave and come back. Man, I wonder what's going on here. Guess we're gonna have to finish it. Okay, he's gonna leave and come back. All right, go ahead and do that, brother.